This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Two subjects tonight. One is Hakar Satov, which is appreciation. And the other one is something that I came across yesterday which disturbed me very much. And that's a thing called Facebook. <laughs> so I want to apologize to all those on Carl um, and TorahAnytime.com who don't know anything about this, that I have to speak about it tonight because it seems to be a very important subject. And um, the reason that you, those people who don't know anything about it need to know about it is, first of all, if they know any friends that are on it, they should get them off it. And if they don't have any friends who are on it, they should daven for all the people who are on it, that they should get in their heads, that they should get off it. So I'm not trying to educate anyone about the things I'm going to read tonight, but um, whoever feels uncomfortable should talk or turn off um, what they're listening to. But it's such an important uh, topic that I feel that I, I definitely have to speak about it. Uh, just interesting, TorahAnytime.com, which is sitting right here in front of me, which you can get on the internet, uh, which, of course, I'm very against. But if you're on the internet, so then you might as well go to TorahAnytime.com. Not, not to anywhere else, of course. But then again, if that was the only thing you're going on the internet for, why do you have internet? So, um, if you have internet for other things like business and things that are of talkless, or such a thing, then on your spare time on the internet, you should go to TorahAnytime. But what happened, what, what's happening is that it's getting me into a lot of trouble. Well, not trouble, but, you see, Kalashan is on the phone, so nobody has any idea what I look like. But Torah anytime that is 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 on film, so now there are people who are meeting me places and saying, "Wallerstein, that's you." Is that you? And I'm like, "How does this person know who I am?" And they're like, "TorahAnytime.com, I saw you." So I have to be very careful now because people know what I look like. <laughs> All right. That could be good, that could be bad. All right, we're not going to get into that subject. Okay, this week's Pasha is Vo'era. Everyone knows Vo'era, there are seven Makos in Vo'era. There are three Makos in Bo. Interesting, the word Vo'era, so if you add it up, it equals, it, in, in Gematric kind, it means no zeros. So the Vov is six, Aleph is seven, Rash is two, Aleph, which is nine, Aleph is ten. So Vo'era in Gematric Tana stands for the ten Makos which began in this week's Pasha. But how many Makos are in of the ten? There are seven. So if you take the first two letters of this week's Pasha, it's Vav and Aleph, which equals seven. If you take the first two letters of next week's Pasha, which has three Makos in it, right? Abba, Choshech, and Makos, Bechores. Bo, Beis Aleph, equals three. So the Rosh Tevis of, of the Pasha actually tell us how many Makos are in each Pasha. Just a little thing. But anyway. Um, so interesting... There's a very interesting subject that we need to learn from the, from these ten makos. Different than, you know, than just what, what they were. There's an unbelievable kayaka, if you get a chance to Shabbos to look at it. I don't have time to, to learn it tonight. There's an unbelievable kayaka which goes through why did Hashem frogs and blood and lice and, and, you know, God could have changed nature in many, many different ways. Why specifically these ten? And each one was Mida Kenegan Mida against the Mitzrayim. But you have to look in the Klayaka in this week's Pasha on, on Dam Tzadik Kingdom. It's, it's, it's very, very fascinating. But one of the, one of the most important things that we can learn also, very positive from the, from the, uh, Makos is Akar Satov. What do I mean by Akar Satov? Moshe Abenu, we learned last week, right, was my plug-in chair, with my light bulb. And I really should have stopped there with the light bulb last week. So I wanted to do it better. But the Shabbos, I gave a shit for the girls. So I wanted to do it even better. So I took the light bulb. And then I took my CD player, and I wanted to show them that the music that's within you, the happiness that's within you, you can't get unless you plug it in. So I didn't only have my light bulb, I had my CD player with a nice, good Jewish CD in it, and it didn't work. So somebody sent me an email and said, you see, you can plug in and it doesn't work. I set myself up for that. So I said, no, I had to do it in one second. Because sometimes you tack a plug in and it doesn't happen right away. You gotta fix this, you gotta change that, you gotta tune it, you know, to the, to the station that you gotta get on. You're right! Sometimes a prison plugs in, and he doesn't feel the energy right away. So maybe that's why it didn't work. Because, yeah, sometimes you have to play with it. My light bulb worked right away. So some people walked away and said, I'll plug in, it's gonna work right away. Sometimes it might have to take a little bit of time. But one of the unbelievable lessons of this week's parasha 
is here you have Moshe Rabbeinu who's plugged in, right? He's got this power, he's got this mata. And Hashem says, hold on to this mata. For every maka, hold on to this mata. So that every time you do something, right, you split the yam, whatever it is, you'll realize it's not your strength, that it's the strength of the, it's the stick, and the stick's in the, in the, which we learned last year, last week, which the whole power of the stick is in, is in the hand that's holding it. But three makos, Hashem said, Moshe Benny, you can't do. Three makos you can't do. Dam, blood, fadea, the frogs, and kinim. Why? Because where did the frogs come from? The Nile River. Right? Came from the Nile River. Where did the blood come from? The Nile River. Well, Shrabbeinu was saved by what? By the Nile River. He was put in a basket into the Nile River. So Hashem said, you can't hit what saved you. So you can't go and hit the water which saved you because that's a very bad midah. It's going it, it, it's, it's what we call kafuitov. You're going to hit something that helped, that, 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 that's going to make you into a very bad person if you're going to hit something that helped you. Right? So therefore Hashem said, no, you can't hit the water because the water saved your life. What about kinim? What about lice? So the mock of lice, when, when you hit the ground, every kernel, every grain of sand, every grain of sand became a, uh, it's not called a lice, a lice, whatever, I don't know what the singular, a louse, right, it's not, thank you. Become a louse. So, he had to hit the ground. And since Moshe Rabbeinu, when he killed the Mitzri, and he said the Shem Hashem, the ground opened up and swallowed the Mitzri, so the ground also saved his life. Therefore, he wasn't allowed to hit the ground. Now, when you teach this to somebody, this really, really makes absolutely no sense. Because between me and you, everybody, does water have feelings? The Nile River's like, oh, I can't believe what you did. I saved you, and you hit me. Water has no feelings. And what does it mean to hit water? What does it mean to hit water? Maybe when you swim, right, and every stroke you take, you're slapping the water. What does it mean to hit water? You can hit water? You can hit a person. You can't hit water. What does it mean to hit water? The water feels something, and the ground, the ground that you step on all the time, what does it mean to hit the ground? What does it mean to hit the ground? And it's going to bother the ground if you take a stick and you hit it? It's not going to bother the ground at all. So, so why did Hashem let him do this? Why did Hashem hit the ground, hit the water? What's the difference? That means Moshe Rabbeinu can't drink water for the rest of his life. He can't drink water because the water saved him. So I can't drink water. Look what I'm doing. I'm drinking water. Right? So what, what's going on over here? So it's very, very deep what's going on over here. And it's so important for all of us. And it's so important for this generation. It's not about the water. The water has no feeling. It's not about the ground. The ground has no feeling. It's about the person. It's about Moshe Rabbeinu. You're right, the water has no feeling. But if water saved you, and as a human being, taking a stick and striking something is a negative action, then you are not allowed to take a negative action against something that saved you, even if that something has no feeling, because it's going to change you. It's going to change you. And therefore, it wasn't to protect the water or the ground. It was Moshe Rabbeinu was the leader of Klal Yisrael. And therefore, it's the most important midah of a person in Klal Yisrael is recognizing when someone does something for you that's good. And even if that person, that other object doesn't feel it, you cannot hit it because it's going to make you into a person who can do a negative act to something that did something for you. You're going to, it's going to totally destroy you. There's a famous story. I don't remember who, who the, who the Gedolim that were in it was involved, but it was a few years before the Holocaust in, in Europe. And there was a, a, a famous Rosh Hashiva and he took his, his Talmud Muvik. He used to take him for a walk in the woods. And uh, they used to go for a walk in the woods to talk about life and things like that. It's quite this thing. You know, to go to a place where there's nobody and talk about life. And this Rosh Hashiva, when he took his Talmud through the woods, he would say, that berry, that berry is poison. That berry is good for you. That leaf you can eat. Those rocks will protect you. And he was sort of giving him a uh, Boy Scout lesson. Now, we're talking about Gedoyle... Torah, big Rosh Hashiva, learning Torah, walking through the woods and telling him, 
that, you know, that's a good rock to hide on there. That'll protect you. You know, if you think you can go climb a tree and a bear's not going to follow you, bears can climb trees. He's giving him all these lessons. But the main lessons he gave him was what you can eat in the woods and what's going to kill you, what, what's, what's poison, what's poison, I have all this stuff. This guy, this Talmud, this student, walking with Yeshiva, I expect Yeshiva to talk to me. You know, Rekiva Eger, some deep thoughts. And he's taking me in Boy Scouting. This you can eat, this you can't eat, this is poison. Anyway, right after this whole thing went on, a year or two later, came World War II. This student, the whole yeshiva was dispersed. They all ran for their lives. Some ended up in concentration camps, were killed. This student ended up in the woods. Like this Rosh Hashiva who was teaching him had Ruch HaKadosh. He knew that he had to teach this student. I forgot it was. It was Rosh Hashiva, Panovich. He became a very, very big gadol. Rav Gusman, right, right. It's the story of Rav Gusman. So this boy was Rav Gusman. And, and Rav Gusman lived in the woods during the whole Holocaust. With the partisans, without that. And how did he live in the woods? His Rebbe had taught him what you can eat, what you can't eat, where you can hide, where you can't hide, what's good for you in the woods, what's not good for you in the woods. So Rav Gusman, who was a gadol, outside his house, had a garden. Had a garden. And every day he would go to this garden and he would water it. He would bend down, go into the dirt. There's a big rabbi, Rosh Hashiva. Would go into the dirt and pull out the weeds. He was a gardener. He was gardening in his garden. So his Talmidim, his students said to him, Rebbe, you know, like my students always tell me, like, we'll take care of your lawn. We'll take care of your gardening. Don't worry about it. You know, like, Rebbe, you shouldn't be in the dirt. You're, you're a Gusman. You're Rosh Hashiva. He said, to the day I die, nobody's going to touch this garden. He says, the little bit I can give back to the trees and the bushes and the ecology of the world because that's what saved me. Of course Hashem saved him. But it was the, 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 the messenger was the plants and the trees that he lived off. So he said the little that I could give back is to water them and to grow this garden and to take care of it. That's how you become a god, old boys. Not to kill the ecology, throw your stuff out the window when you're going down Avenue J. We spoke about this before. You know, let the shower run for 45 minutes before you walk into it. So, like, you know, half the water in the United States is, you know, you don't care. What do you care? And the sink's running, and this is running, because it's water. Water's free. And, and of using the earth that we live on, you see that of Guzman, he took this very, very serious. <coughs> but much more scary than that. I know you don't like the subject, but I like the subject. And that's the subject of kivit of aim. Of your appearance. A plant! Plant! Water! Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't allowed to be negative to water or to the ground. They don't have feelings. They're not human. They didn't give birth to you. Because Baruch said, don't you dare touch that water with a stick. Don't you dare be negative to that water because that's going to destroy you. Don't you dare hit the ground. So what happens when a person doesn't show our cars to the people who brought them to this world? When we aggravate them and we agitate them and we ignore them Allah's common comment is going to turn you into a monster. I had this discussion with a very big tzaddik. I said, what came first? The lack of kibbutz of aim? The lack of respect? Or kids that are mechal Shabbos? What came first? Chil Shabbos? Treif? Facebook? New Year's parties and clubs? Did that come first? Or the lack of kibbutz of aim that nobody respects their parents anymore? And he said, there's no question that the lack of kibbutz of aim came first. Because if there's no kibbutz of aim and we don't respect our parents who, whether they treat us great or not, okay, they, most of them are trying to do their best. Some of them are Holocaust survivors. Some of them have gone through a very tough life. But most of them are really trying to do their best. And if, if we give them attitude and we walk out on them and we scream at them and we tell them, I don't want to use the words that we tell them, then of course we're not going to keep Shabbos down the line. And of course we're not going to keep kosher down the line. And of course we're going to go out with non-Jewish girls down the line. And you're going to say, Rabbi Wallerstein, how could you say that because I'm not having kibbutz of aim that God forbid a guy's going to go out with a non-Jewish girl. This has nothing to do with this. And the answer is it has to do with it. Because the lack of kibbutz of aim means you have no hakaras hatov. You have no appreciation at all. So if you have no appreciation for your parents, who you can see, who give you food, who diapered you in the middle of the night, who burped you in the middle of the night, I don't care what they were to you. But the truth is that when you're an infant, the parent has no choice. we got to diaper that little diaper, you know. And it's not easy at 2 o'clock in the morning and take you to the doctor with 103 and worry and be nervous. 
and go to school and PTA and Shemitah and wait on four hours of line. All our parents did that. Maybe they stopped doing it when you were six or eight, but they definitely did it the first five years. So when, when a child doesn't have a car, he spits in his parents' face. And when I see the, 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 the lack of respect and the disgusting way that this generation talks to their parents, so where, where do you think it's going to take you? Of course it's going to take you to be Mechal Shabbos. Because if a parent that you see, you don't appreciate, so how are you going to be connected to God? God you don't see. So the first thing you're going to do is say, flip God. I don't need God. What does God have to do with me? And, co- and totally disconnect. There's absolutely no Hakkaros Atoyim. So Hashem said to Moshe Abedu, don't hit the water. Ha! I laugh at that. Don't hit your parents. Forget the water. Don't hit your parents. Moshe Abedu, don't hit the water. Why? Because what? What did the water do for him? Let's think about this for a second. What did the water do for him? Any miracles? No, it didn't. It, it, just, it just behaved like water. It didn't do anything. It didn't change. It didn't become ice. Yeah, but it didn't change its bria. It didn't change its nature. So what did it do for Moshe? It would have done it for him and me and him and everyone in the room. Put us in a basket. Not at this weight, but as a little kid. Put him in a basket and let it float on the water. Things float on water. It had nothing to do with the water. It's not like the water said, hey, man, you owe me. You know, because everyone else, I would have sunk. But you, I kept up. It was a boat. The Torah says it had tar on it. It was waterproof. It, there was no miracle here. There was no miracle here. So it just acted as water. And, and even though it just acted as water, did nothing for Moshe Menu, Hashem said, don't hit water which has no feelings. I vey what we do to our parents. I vey what we do to the people who care about us, guys. Oh, are we going to pay for this? If you can't hit water. And this is how we treat our parents. And we treat the people that are good to us. So of course it's going to be Mechal Shabbos. Because if you don't appreciate your parents... You can appreciate something you can't see. Something you have to come to Kabura to learn how to look at a tree and appreciate that Hashem made the tree. When you have parents right in front of you, we'll give you. I, I, I saw a kid this week. They gave this kid everything. Everything. And when he got into the biggest trouble of his life, they went out and they took him for ice cream. I freaked out. Because he was so broken and he was so depressed that they. And, and, and he, what he did was wrong to them. They took him out for ice cream. I said, You're out of your minds. So you think he said, oh my God, I have crazy parents. I did such a bad thing and they took me out for ice cream. No. He threw it in their face. I asked you for ice cream? You wanted to make yourselves feel better about the whole situation. I'm looking at this kid. I'm like, so freaked out. He's so in the dirt. You can buy a guy ice cream after he gets into the biggest trouble of his life. And he says, in your face. Like, like I ate it for you. Did you a favor? You shouldn't feel so bad. This is, this is where we are. So of course... The, the lack of kibbutz of aim is going to take us to be machal shamas and to do everything else because we don't see Hashem. We already have to learn to be connected to Hashem. That's the same thing with our bodies. Where's it going to take us? So we have Chas again. Whoever's on Kol and whoever's watching this, I'm sorry if I hurt you in any way. But there's a thing called cutting with kids today. It's a big thing. Where girls cut themselves and boys cut themselves. How does a person? So there was a grandmother that asked me. I heard my granddaughter is cutting. What does that mean, Rabbi Wallstein? This grandmother went through the Holocaust. What am I going to tell her? What am I going to tell her? I'm going to tell her that there's a Jewish kid that's doing to herself what the Nazis did to us. How am I going to explain this to a woman? I'll kill her. So we have a generation of cutters. Where you sit, and you take a knife, and you cut your hands. And you cut your legs to feel the blood. You don't even know, but this is a big thing today. It's a big thing, cutters. So you think to yourself, cut your own body? Cut your own body? Don't get so crazy. We have piercings. What's the difference? Put three tongue rings through your mouth, this Michigan Ganson, out of your mind. You can't eat, right? You can't eat. Anything cold in your whole tongue goes into a freeze, right? You can't eat. You're clicking the whole time of a generation. Girl comes up to me and says, Hello, Rabbi Wallstein. And, and she's got a mezuzah in her tongue. <laughs> Sir, you're laughing. So, so you think it doesn't hurt? You think it doesn't hurt? So how does a person maim their own body? How does a person maim your own body? And the answer is, you have no appreciation for your body. There's no hakars told that you have a body. So yeah, you can stick holes in every part of your body. And then you can cut yourself in every part of your body. 
And you can put crazy, crazy drugs, crazy stuff into this beautiful body that Hashem gave you that makes you crazy. And you could mushroom and this room and that and burn your brains out and burn your brain cells out. And the whole world is doing it. The whole world is doing it. I mean, kids, they're fried. Yeah. They did acid. And mamish, they were smart kids. They have no brains left. They burn out. How does a person burn out his own brains? And the answer is, he doesn't appreciate his brains. You don't burn out something that you appreciate. You don't stick holes into something you appreciate. So there's a breakdown. It's the whole Akar Satoiv. So Kishboka said to Moshe Rabbeinu, we got to start real early. Like you can't even hit water. Because water acted in its natural state. So your body in its natural state, you're not allowed to hurt. Kasha Shalom, your body's a, a beautiful, beautiful Testarossa sports car Shem gave you. It's zero to 60 in, in no seconds. In one second, it's got two beautiful headlamps. You can see, right? Every morning, just, I was just looking through the brachas before. Every morning, you say the brachas. Who says brachas over here with Kavana? Who says brachas? But whoever does say brachas, right? Go through the brachas in the morning. Right? You finish in two seconds. Look what it says over here. Thank you, Hashem. I'm, I'm Jewish. I'm not a guy. I have a mitzvah of Tzulun. I, I have an Oilam Haba. I have a Ganeden. I have a Mashiach. and David. I got a chance to be, I'm part of a Kurdish Baruch Hu. I'm a piece of you. I'm connected to you. Right? Who appreciates that? Just the opposite. Am I going to go down it again? Oh, I got to go, that's all I hear a whole week. Am I got to learn again? Okay, Rabbi, I'll learn 10 minutes. I'll give you 10 minutes. Girl came to me this week. Find me yeshiva. I'm going to go to yeshiva. But find me a school that only learns one hour a day. I'm like, what? I just, I'm not, this Jewish stuff, I'll give it one hour a day. What are you going to do the rest of the day? Four hours I'll work, and uh, you do the math. The rest, I'm going to chill. <laughs> so, thank you, Hashem, that I'm, that I'm Jewish. Thank you, Hashem, that I'm not an Eved. That I'm not a servant. That you can walk out the door tonight. You don't belong to anybody. You're a free person. You're not an Eved. An Eved, everything he does belongs to the master. You have a life. You make money. It's your money. Hashem says, just give me my sir. It's your body. Just don't do the wrong thing with it. Baruch Hashem. Could you imagine? I have a friend that's visiting someone in prison. The guy's in prison for like 30 years. He's like in his 60s, 70s. He's gone. He's done. He will never be able to walk out of prison. My friend tells me that every time the thing shuts behind him and he walks out, you know, he visits somebody. He walks out. He says, I'm dancing to my car. They're all locked in there. You can walk out and you can walk and walk and keep walking and no one will stop you. In prison, you walk, you get to the gate and there's three German shepherds on you. (laughs) Every one of us in this room, we can walk out here tonight. We're free. We're free people. Anybody have a car to for that? Anybody appreciate it for that? We don't appreciate it. This is a brachas that you make in the morning. Shalai Asani Isha. You didn't make me a woman. I don't have to go through all the woman stuff. I don't have to get pregnant. I don't have to give birth. Yeah, it's very hard to be a woman. It's much easier to be a man. Baruch Hashem Shalai Asani Isha. I can put on tefillin. They don't put on tefillin. I have a mitzvah to learn Torah. They don't have a mitzvah to learn Torah. I have all these extra mitzvahs that women don't have. Yay! And then we have some guys that are walking around that they're not so proud that they're men. No, I don't mean that as serious. I don't mean that in that way. They, 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 they would rather, they'd rather not do. They'd rather not do mitzvahs. You know what? I wish I was a girl. I don't have to, I don't have to learn Torah. I don't have to put on tefillin. I don't have to go to Minyan. Shabbos, I don't have to go to shul three times a day. Who needs this? Shalom Sani Isha, we say every morning. Pekeach Ivrim, guys. I, give, I, I want to give you a, a homework tonight. I want to give everyone homework tonight. Do me a favor. Go home tonight. When you get home through the front door, close your eyes. Do not open your eyes anymore until you go to sleep. Try it. I guarantee you not one guy in this room can do it. Get to the door. Close it. And close your eyes. Go upstairs to your room with your eyes closed. Feel your way up. Serious. This will change your life. Feel your way up to your room. Get undressed with your eyes closed. Put on your pajamas, whatever it is, with your eyes closed. Go to the bathroom, brush your teeth with your eyes closed, and then get into bed. I promise you, you will not be able to do it. You don't even imagine, you can't even imagine what a blind person, for your whole rest of your life, you only see black. Go ahead, do, it, do the homework I gave you tonight. You'll freak out of your head. 
That's eight minutes of your life. Think about your whole life. Not ever be able to see a color, a person, or anything. And on top of that, if you can't see food, you don't have an appetite for food. If you can't see what you're drinking, try it. Eat an apple in the dark. Close your eyes and eat food. You'll see. It doesn't have the same taste. Because part of it is, 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 is a visibility. So every morning, Thank you for giving sight to the blind. That's you. Does it mean anything to anyone here? Do you have a karsatov? Do you get up in the morning and say, I can't even imagine being blind? So do, do your homework tonight, guys, really. You'll appreciate it, you'll appreciate that you have eyes. You're going to bang into a couple of walls, and you're going to cut yourself up a little bit. But if you couldn't see, that's what you would be doing. Imagine the whole life in darkness. Appreciation. To appreciate what that's the connection. And it really has to start with the most innate things. Water. The ground. The, 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 the things that in life that the Baruch Hu gave us. Not to abuse it. To, to get up in the morning and look at the sun and say, if we didn't have a sun, then it would be cold every single day. There would be snow, it would be ice. There would be no life. Just the sun, just the moon, just what we have. Just Here, I'm not giving you any big chedushim. Mal Check out your cat outside. Like the cat that's on my lawn outside when it's eight degrees. He don't got no clothes. The guy is shivering. And he's not going to get clothes. We, Baruch Hashem, we're human beings. We get clothes. It gets colder. We put on more clothes. It gets colder. We put on more clothes. It's wet. We put on boots. It's raining, we put on an umbrella. You want to go skiing, you put on gloves. Hashem created everything to keep you warm from head to toe. No animal in the world, except those Mishugom on the west side that buy dresses and coats for their dogs. You know, they're, they're not normal, right? Except for the crazy people in the world. No animals in the world have clothing. But we as human beings, we have clothing. So who appreciates the clothing? I'll tell you a story in my school. In high school, probably most of you did that. In high school, in my school, the kids, they hate the uniform. <laughs> Right, uniform's the enemy. So they come the last day, half of them rip it like they're an oval, like someone died, right? Ah, oh, Rebbe, it's finally over, really. Take a scissors, and they cut them in class. So then I stopped. I said, you're not allowed to rip clothing, because you know the story with David Amalek, which I'll tell you in one second. You're not allowed to rip clothing. Chatz is going to come back to haunt you. But they have this, this thing that when you finish, probably in high school also, that everybody signs your shirt. Everyone signs your shirt, and then you hang your shirt up. And I said, I don't want that. I said, guys, let's give our shirts to poor people. You don't want to wear a uniform. I understand. Let's take it. So now we take the shirts and we give it to poor people. You can't just write on a shirt or just rip a shirt. Could we make a bracha to Hashem? Thank you, Hashem, Malvish Aruman, that you dress the naked. That a human being is able to get dressed. Animals can't get dressed. The birds, Nebuch, have to fly from here to Florida because they can't put on a coat. So they can't hang out in the winter in New York. So they got to fly to Florida. We get on a plane within two and a half hours. It takes them a long time to get to Florida. So this is just, just brachas that we make in the morning. Matir Asurim, getting out of jail. Matir Asurim is a person to getting, is, is, we're released, we can do whatever we want, we can run, we can jump. We're not in jail, we're not in a little teeny cell. If you're claustrophobic, try that once. Go to Alcatraz, sit in a cell. Just you by yourself in a teeny little cell. Imagine that for the rest of your life, Chas Go out of your mind. You'd hang yourself. You could never make it. Because every day we walk out in the morning to work, to school, to this. Are you in a cell? You're free. You're free to walk out tonight. You're free. Nobody's watching you. That we're able to stand up straight. Imagine crawling your whole life. Imagine not being able to stand up straight. I know Nebuchadnezzar, a man who's a very, very poor man, that he comes to me and, and because of his arthritis, he's bent over, totally bent over. He can't straighten up. And all he can see in the world is from this level and down. He can't pick his head up. Zaykev kafufim, that you're, all those vertebrae, when you get out of bed in the morning, they all fit into each other. And you're able to step up. Go talk to someone who has back problems. I had once, once in my life. I was laying on the floor screaming for a week. They couldn't do anything to me. One vertebrae, was pinched. I was out of my mind. You get up in the morning, eh, you sit down, eh, right? The vertebrae just falls into place. You sit down, you get up, you sit down. How many times a day you sit down and you get up? 
Hashem, Zaykev Kefufim, that a person is able to stand up straight. These are all brachas of Akar Satov. Roikar Salamayim. Water is always running to take over the world. Because Baruch pushes it back, there's a tide, tied in, tied out. But water, which should spread all over the world, we should all be flooded. Because thank you. Sha'asali Kaltachi, thank you for doing, giving me all my needs. All these different brachas. And of course, the last bracha, which you have to have a lot of kavana, bracha to Hashem, thank you for giving strength to the tired. For giving us strength, a person who's in a coma, who has no strength at all. An anemic person. When people have no strength, they can't get up, they can't get out of their bed. Go to a hospital. People can't get out of their bed. You jump, you run, you can get out of your bed, you have strength in the morning, you have strength at night. All these brachas that we have. When I wake up in the morning, he removes sleep from my eyes. That I'm not in a coma. That you're able to eat. Guys, you're able to eat. You don't even understand. I had a grandmother that was dying from cancer. She had stomach cancer. She couldn't eat. So they stuck a tube through her, into her stomach, and they fed her through the tube. Could you imagine never tasting food again? Steak, ice cream, whatever you like, fruit. Never be able to taste it. They're feeding you through a tube. Some kind of concoction that you would never drink through your mouth, that's for sure. Right? Could you imagine never eating again? You can't take that for granted. There are people in hospitals that can't eat. That they have tubes in their stomach. My tilt Hashem is that I should never ever be on a respirator. Did you ever see a person on a respirator? They're sticking a tube down their throat and they're gagging because it's going down your windpipe. Could you imagine laying in a bed where they have to tie you down because you keep pulling? Go to Maimonides. Go look at the old people that are on respirators that are fighting to, be, to pull the pipe out of their throat because they're gagging all the time. So they tie their hands down against the beds and they give them medicine to keep them in a coma so that they're not able to pull the tube. That's how, that's how they're laying there. And you, we're all standing, Baruch Hashem, nothing's down our throat to help us breathe. You're all breathing, you're not even thinking about it. There's not a guy in this room that's even thinking about that he's breathing. You're not thinking, breathe. It's automatic. So if, if there's no Hakar Satov, then you're going to disappear. You can't be connected to Hakosh Baruch. The basis of being a Jew, the basis of being a human, the basis of being a human, forget a Jew, the basis of being a human being is Hakar Satov. Is recognizing, is gratitude. It's got to start at home. It's got to start with your parents. You've got to be thankful to your parents for what they did. You definitely can't hit them, and I don't mean hit them with your fists. Because if you don't have a car set up for your parents, let me tell you something. You don't have a car set up, you're not going to have a good marriage. I'm telling you that right now. Because your first experience in a relationship is the experience of you and your parents. When you're born, there's a relationship. Boom. You're born, there's a relationship. Called son, father, son, mother, mother, son, father, son. That's your first relationship. If that relationship is miserable, how are you going to have a relationship with your wife? Here you have a girl. What's your cursor type to her? What's your cursor type? You dated. You paid for the meals. Right? It was your car. Like, what's your cursor? What's your appreciation for her? Why should I appreciate her? What'd you do for me? Hey, rabbi. What's up with, you know, I've, I've got... What am I going to appreciate? Oh, she cooks? Wow! My mother cooked too. I can go out to eat. I'm 29. I've been going to Kosher Delight for nine years. What do I need her for? And I got news for you. She can't make Zino steak. Oh, she cleans. If she cleans. She cleans. I need her to clean. We got the, you know, Spanish girl. She can clean. They clean my house, my mother's house. They clean my house. What's the big deal? Why should I have appreciation for this woman? Just the opposite. She owes me. She's like, what? What are you kidding me? I pay all the bills. <coughs> so what, why why doesn't this why is why does this happen? Because he has no relationship with his parents. So if he can't appreciate the people that paid his bills, how's he going to appreciate the person he's paying the bills for? If that first relationship is lousy, it's going to take a lot of work to make that next relationship lousy. And of course, what's going to be with him and his children? What's going to be with him and his children? Either two things. Either we grow up to be like our parents. So. Whatever they did to you, you're just going to transfer it to them. So if you got your butt kicked, they're going to get their butt kicked. There's nothing to talk about. Or when you're growing up, you're saying, I am not going to be like that. 
I'm going the opposite way. So you spoil your kid because you don't know what to do anymore. Your parents, what they did to you, right? Either you're going to do that or you're going to go so far in the opposite way because you feel bad what happened to you that you're going to spoil the kid rotten. So both ways don't work. So we have to make, whether we like it or not, we have to have a karasato for our parents. Whatever it is. If, if, if it's a troublesome relationship that you can't fix, and they're awesome. And they're awesome. I'm, I'm not judging anyone here. I'm giving advice. They're awesome. So then, hello, ma. How are you? How's everything? And when she starts screaming, say, I love you. Bye. And that's it. We'll make the phone call. Because it's for you, not for her. You're not, you're not doing kibbutz of the aim for them. What does it say? Laman, Yerichun, Yomecha. For you. Not that they should live long. We don't do kibbutz of the aim that our parents should live long. We do kibbutz of the aim for us. Don't hit the water, Moshe Rabbeinu, for you. The water has no feelings. When you call your parents and you say good Shabbos or you say I love you, that's for you. It's not for them. It's for you. Because that way you're showing Akar Satov. You'll show Akar Satov to your wife. You'll show Akar Satov to your workers that work for you, that are working hard for you. Or if you're working for somebody else, you'll show appreciation for him. And if that's the basis of who you are, you will have a very good life. Because you will also show Akar Satov to Akar Baruch and a Baruch will react to someone who shows a Kodesh Atov. How many times do you give someone who slaps you in the face after you give it to them? How many times? So I think very much in the Makkah, in the Makkah is where, where he was changing. He was changing the nature of the world. A Baruch Hu taught him how to respect the nature of the world. Don't hit... Yeah, the water's turning to blood, but you can't do that. You can't hit that water. Yes, the sand is turning into lice, but you can't do that. And in the end, the interesting thing is that in the end, by Paro, by Paro, the one Maka where he really falls apart and he, and he like, and he, and he says, I believe in God, is the Maka of Barad. Anyone here know the Maka of Barad was hail? What was the hail? It was fire and water. Fire and water together. That freaked them out. The frogs didn't freak them out. The lice, the boils, the devil, the disease, all this stuff. Yeah. He had, he had, you know, they couldn't do all of them, but he had his own guys. But if you see what happens by Barad, right, he totally falls apart. He says that I know there's Hashem. He admits that. You got to hear this. This is, this is wild. Listen to Paro. Big bad Paro. This time I've sinned. He went through six makas at this point. This was the seventh one. This time I sinned. Right? Listen to what he says. Hashem HaTzadik. God, who he denied the whole time, Hashem, he's a tzadik. God is a tzadik. God is right. And me and my nation, we're a bunch of wicked people. What happened here? Why all of a sudden this makah, he wakes up and he admits it. And the answer is that until now he didn't believe that it was God. But he never saw two opposite things working together for anybody. Water works for this one, puts out the fire. Fire works for this one, boils the water. But that fire and water, two opposite elements, should work together as a team that can only be for God. That could only be for God. So at this point, when he saw this, he said there must be a God here. That two opposites, fire and water, the fire was in the middle of the, of the ice, and it didn't melt the ice. It was like a, a Molotov cocktail. And when it hit the ground, yeah, it, the, the fire spread all over the place. He said, when two opposite things work, that's godly. They weren't natural. No, but here are two opposites. The two opposites should work together. You can only get two opposites to work together. Fakash Baruch so everybody in this room, so everybody in this room doesn't even know what Paro knew. Paro made a statement, and Paro said that until now, I didn't believe in your God. He pulled some good stuff. You pulled some good stuff. Maybe Moshe Rabbeinu is a bigger sorcerer than we are. But all of a sudden he said, we are a Shayim, and you are Tzaddikim, because we realize that there is a God, 
because two opposite things work together, that has, there has to be a God that made that. Every person in this room is a barad, is a hail. Because in every single person in this room, there's a Yetzirah and a Yetzirah. Two enemies, two opposites, absolute opposites. And they work together. And every person's alive in us is ice and fire. Exactly the same thing. Two opposites. There's a Yetzirah telling you, go do, go Facebook, Facebook, go fly, go do whatever you got to do. And there's the Yetzirah, go learn in Yeshiva. And the person, you can use them both. Use the Yetzirah, you can use the Yetzirah. You have to know how to use them. Right? You can schlep the Yetzirah into the base medrash. He's a schemer. You can use his scheming against him to get you into the base medrash. So in every person is fire and ice. Two opposites that are looking to kill each other. Yetzirah wants to kill the Yetzirah. And, and you're alive. And, and, and you're supposed to do mitzvahs. And you're, and you're moving and you're living. And every single one of us, if Paro would look at us, he would say, oh my goodness, you guys have a Yetzirah and a Yetzirah. Together it must be God created you. But we don't see that. We need proofs. Proof to me that there's a Hashem. All right. I think you got my point on our Karsatov at this point. Now I want to talk about a different subject. So I don't know anything about the Internet. I, I, I don't have Internet in my, in my private office. I don't have a computer. I, w- I once had when it first came out, and I, I was sitting there one night looking at my emails. I didn't really know how to get emails at that time. It just started, and there was an email sent to me, very important, must open up right away, and I thought it was business, and I opened it up right away, and it was not business. Um, it was a very terrible picture, and at that point, I bent down and plugged out my computer, took the whole thing, the head, the brain, whatever you call it, the brain, the monitor, and all the other mices, took it out of my office, put it on the couch, and said, I don't want to have this in my office. And that was 10 years ago. I'm, I'm totally computer illiterate. I know nothing about the computer. Until yesterday. So, what happened yesterday? What happened yesterday is like this. Now, I've heard about this, uh, I've heard about this for a while. And... There's a thing called Facebook. Now, why was Facebook created? Because there's a thing called MySpace. MySpace is run by non-Jews and has all very non-Jewish stuff on it. Filth and dirt and pornography and every, every, everything the Satan owns in the other world, he sends email into, into MySpace. It's all there. Terrible, terrible place. Terrible, terrible, terrible place. MySpace, the HR says, this is MySpace. <laughs> this is my space. I own this. This is mine. This is my space. Have a nice day. Have a nice day. Okay. It's called the web for a reason. You understand? You get caught in the web. The web. Who owns the web? The spider. Who's the spider? The spider is, is the Yetzirah. I mean, that's why it's called the web. We know that. The net. The web. The bottom line is, what is it all saying? Net web space. In other words, you're trapped. You're there. Once you're in, you belong to us. You're in the web. You're in the net, and you're in the space. And it's his space. So, so a bunch of very brainy people came out and said, we have to clean up this stuff, so we're going to make Facebook. So all the Jewish kids, a lot of the Jewish kids, decided, oh, this is called, this is holy. We're going to go to Facebook. So you have girls on Facebook, boys on Facebook, but I, I never knew what Facebook was. Anyway, last night was this terrible holiday that some people think is an American holiday. Absolutely not. It's not an American holiday. Every country in the world celebrates this holiday where there are Christians. No. And it's a throw. There's no ball falling, and there's no one saying Happy New Year, because they don't even know what you're talking about. Go to Yerushalayim and say, Nu, see what right? <laughs> you got to look at you and say, you're a little bit early or very, very late, right? They don't even understand what's, what, what this is, but everyone thinks it's American. It's not American. It's absolutely Christian. It's absolutely connected to Yashka, 100%. It was the eighth day of his bris, his New Year's, and that's what they celebrated. His students celebrate the, the day of his of his bris, whatever you want to call it, and that is eight days from his birth. That is New Year's, and that's what's being celebrated. And it's a Christian religion. The Muslim world did not celebrate last night. The Hindu world did not celebrate last night. The Buddhist world did not celebrate last night. But the Jewish world decided, yes, to celebrate last night. And that's pretty sick. And that's pretty sad, that the Muslims and the Buddhists and the rest of them Right? They're not celebrating it, and his Jewish people are celebrating it. Nope. Okay. So, I made an anti-New Year's party last night. What does that mean? We made a, a thing in Ornava. 
no countdown. A rabbi came and he spoke. It was very nice. Whatever it was, was like, so. But I was listening to the to the raid, as we call it, the talk. And you know, some of my students said, "Hey, rabbi, you're gonna, you know, where are you gonna be? Where are you for New Year's? Like, come hang out with us." I'm like, "Where are you going?" So they gave me three names of three places, which I did not go to, of course. <laughs> Listen carefully. Last night on New Year's Eve, the Gaisha New Year's Eve, which celebrates the bris of the the actually it's it's the Christian religion now. I'm sure some of you have non-Jewish friends and it's very nice and everything's very nice. But the bottom line is that what they did to us, we probably lost more Jews through the years from them than we, than we lost in the Holocaust. I heard someone get up and he did the numbers from the Crusades and from the Spanish Inquisition where they burnt us alive, right? They had a nice New Year's Eve party then too. Except the thing that was burning and, and the thing that were dropping was the Jew into the fire. And you guys, you go celebrate New Year's at a party is what you're celebrating. Beautiful. Beautiful thing. We should, the Holocaust, we should do it and we should line up all those people, the six million Jews, and we should show them where we go, New Year's Eve, to celebrate Christianity's big, big night. 2008 years from when? From when? From Yashka. BC and after C. And we're celebrating this. Smart. Anyway, so, what would you think? A Jewish party to celebrate this. Called Banging out Jew, they're not calling it New Year's, they're calling it Jew Years. Jew Years 2008 in the Heartland Brewery. Okay, pretty bad. Pretty sad. I was really broken when I heard that. But wait, nothing. Okay, now this is the good place. It's not my space, your space, that space. This is Facebook, right? This is your face, this is your pun. This is the face of Judaism today. Let's see. All right, start time, 10.30, end time, Tuesday, January 1st, 2008, at 5 a.m. Two more hours would have been Vasekin, but they didn't wait. <laughs> In the Heartland Brewery at Empire State Building. All right, here you go. You ready? I'm really sorry if anyone's being offended. This is very important because we have to understand the Sahara and we have to understand where we're at. Here we go. Rock out New Year's with 800 hot heaves. <laughs> all right let's go on let's go on let's go on let's go on I want you to hear where we are listen carefully listen to where Clyde's roll is at and then I'm going to tell you what we're going to do about it we're going to do something all of us are going to do something about this and everybody who's listening on Kalalashon is going to do something about this and everyone who's on TorahAnytime.com we're all going to do something about this but I want I want to show you so you understand what the Yetzirah's Koyach is. So now, if I'm not a religious kid, and I go to clubs and to bars, so Rabbi, there's nothing wrong here. So how are they getting me? How are they getting you guys? You guys, you guys, you go to Minyan, you put on Tefillin, you keep Shabbos. How are they getting you to this banging out Jew Year's Eve? Listen how they're going to get you. And this is run by from guys. It's run by sort of from guys. I don't want to even be near where they're going to sit in the next world. I don't want to be Close enough to see them. Because where they're going to sit for this, this is Bifahesia, this is in public, this is taking God's name and dragging it through the mud. Listen carefully. This venue is huge enough to pretty much whatever you want to be. Cozy lounge, fun bar, crazy dance floor, Shachris minion. <laughs> I'm reading, I'm not making this up, I'm reading, I'll, I'll show it to you. How dare you put the word Shachris together with this. Besides, idiots, you said it's till 5 a.m., you can't down Shachris till 5 a.m., so you already know who you're dealing with over here. Okay? But now, the guy who's looking at it saying, Shachris. <laughs> I got a minion in the Empire State Building. That's very cool. You know what? I could even handle this. Okay, I'm not, I'm not even... Meet the good-looking guy you've been stalking on Facebook for the past six months. Okay, this is a good Jewish. This is a good Jewish place to go. Facebook, right? I'm on Facebook. We got Rabbeim on Facebook. We got, which is another thing I'm going to talk about. We got rabbis on Facebook. Good people. They're on Facebook. Why? Because those kids. Hey, I want to be there for them. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Impress your coworkers with going to the Empire State Building. 
Now comes something that Mamish. This line, number four, they're giving you reasons to go, right? Number four hurt me when I read this yesterday. My, my, my neshama exploded. Number four, why should you go to this party? Beats Mishmar. These are Jewish guys. Why should you go to the party? Because it's better. Mishmar means learning at night, Torah. Thursday night is learning Torah. This is better than learning Torah. Beats Mishmar. Next. No better way to start your new year off than with a blowout party that you'll never forget. Lashana Tova. <laughs> so at this point, at this point, they've got a lot of guys to fill in. Lashana Tova. Mishmar. Something about Mishmar, Rebbe. I went there because they said something about Mishmar, right? Now comes the Yetzirah. You, you have to learn young. You have to learn young. I'm preaching this for 30 years. Yetzirah is brilliant. I want to show you how brilliant he is. So there's still some guys that are not going. A few guys like, you know, I'm still not going to this Rebbe, right? Now listen, what's going to, how are they going to get us to go? Come on, come on. How are they going to get us to go? No? Where's the money going? Snucker! Number six. A portion of the proceeds will be donated to the community Hesder school in Sidorot, 500 students and soldiers that are currently enrolled in Hesder's five-year program, which, can, which combines Israeli mandatory army service with Torah study. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're taking money from this and you're giving it to Israeli soldiers that are sitting and learning? Mushchasim. If you're listening to me, the guys who put this together, Mushchasim. Mushchasim. I can't say Yemach Shemam, because they're Jews, but Mushchasim, what you did to every kid that went to this party. Mushchasim. And whoever doesn't know the translation, you can just figure out the way I'm saying it. In addition, in addition, the Hezda remains a pillar in the community, reaching out to those in need from all walks of Jewish life during these difficult times. It's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah. They're giving tzedakah. And you know how many kids were there last night? I don't even want to tell you. And this was the firmest of the three parties. This was the firmest of the three parties. That went out, that went down last night. So I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. What else do we got here? Ah! If you hit this little thing, emblem, whatever it's called, top ten ways New Year's Eve is like Rosh Hashanah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I'm asking... I am asking everyone in this room who's on Facebook tonight to get on there. I know it takes a little bit of time because you've got to hook up with your 500 friends that are on there, right? And get off. Maybe Mashiach's going to show up and say, okay, this is who I want coming with me. Anyone who's on Facebook, I don't want. They don't belong. You don't belong. It's a place of znus. It's a place of pornography. It's a place of doing very, very bad things. So now, why are there Rabbeim on there? And they said, Rabbi Wallstein, you got to be on Facebook so people can talk to you. So the Rabbeim say I have to be there because there are kids that are all over the place and I can help them, I can save them. So I went over to one rabbi last night and I said, can I ask you something? Can we take a filthy magazine, right, and put a Dvar for every Shabbos in the middle? <laughs> Beautiful. Imagine the guys who are buying the filthy magazine, they're leafing through the pictures. Oh! I got it to my toilet, Pashmaira! It's fantastic! It's beautiful! Kirov! We'll do it in every magazine that came out ever! Remember Wallstein Shear with a picture! Like I'm like, yeah, we'll put all the rabbis on! No! It's different! I said, really? Really? Go through the pictures on Facebook and tell me that it's different. So I said, what are you doing? How dare you? Put your face in this book. <laughs> Took you a while. Because after the kid goes to RabbiWallstein.com, whatever, whatever it is, right, and he reads Rabbi Wallstein's Torah, it's a book. It's called Facebook. He's going to turn the page. What's he going to find when he turns the page? Terrible things. You can't be on there. We're not allowed to be on such places. So whoever's in this room who's like thinking, it's not my place, their place, our place, it's... It's Facebook, it's, 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 it's holy, it's not holy. It's, it's, it's the face of the Satan. It's the face of the Yetzirah. So what are we going to do about it? 
So I'll tell you what we're going to do about it. No, protest is not going to help us. We're going to do, first of all, that everyone that's on it is going to get off it. Because you were warned. So when you come to Shemayim after 120, too bad. Now they're going to ask you, why were you on Facebook? And you're going to say, I didn't know. And they're going to say, you were by Rabbi Walsh's Chabura. So you're all stuck that you came tonight. So now you have to get off. Because you have no excuse. Okay? That's number one. Number two, I want to tell you a short story. We're going to end with this short story. And I'm not a Meshuggah, and I'm not a right-winger, and I'm not crazy. I read it to you. Come on. Come on. This is better than Mishmar. This is where your tzedakah is going. And I didn't read you some of the stuff, because I can't read it. I have respect for the people who are on Kalashan and who are watching this on, on, on Torah anytime. I respect them. I can't even read you what it says there. Some other stuff. So don't tell me that it's not, you know, Rabbi, you're, you're crazy. I'm not crazy. This is, this is just, this is nothing. This is not, I showed it to someone who said, ah, that's nothing. You got to see it. I'm like, no. I don't want to see. And people meet the other people on this and they meet bad people on this and they get very badly hurt. It's not a place for us. We're a, holy, we're a holy nation. We're a holy people. We say every morning, thank you, Hashem, that I'm not blind. If you're blind, you can't see, you can't read Facebook. So Kishbaku gave you, he gave you a face, he gave you eyes, he gave you ears. Not for this. Not for this. He didn't give you legs to go dancing on a New Year's Eve at a party with a bunch of girls. That's not why Hashem gave us legs. He gave us legs to go to shul. He gave us legs to go to work. He gave us legs to visit our grandparents. He gave us legs to go and do good things. To go to base Madrash. We have legs for a reason. Definitely not to dance on New Year's Eve. That's not why he gave us legs. It's a smack in his face. A smack in his face. So there's a, there's a story, a maybe ridiculous story that Rav Shimshim Pinkus says. We're the good ones. We're the heaps. We're the good ones. We're the guys who once in a while put on Tulin and Davin. That's who these guys were after at the party. How many Jews don't know anything? They don't even know they're Jews. They're assimilated. We're the ones who are supposed to save the generation. We're supposed to pull all these people out. Instead, we're getting all pulled in. So he says an amazing story. And he says, and, and, and you, you got, there's one question I'm surprised no one asked me. You're Wallstein, so America's bad. There's pornography. There's rap music. There's filth. There's, why don't Hashem put us here? Why are we here, guys? Why are we here? Why don't you stick every one of us in Yushalayim, a Ravarola Chassid, with a big white hat, white yarmulke, and payas, and we wouldn't know from my, my space, your space, they don't know from this stuff. So why all us guys put here? Why do you send us here? Into this filth, into this dirt. It's not fair. It's a very good question. I'm going to answer it to you. I'm going to answer you with a story that Rashim Shimpinka says. So there was a king, and he had a son, and he loved his son very much, but this son was Mori Bamalchus. He was a rebel, and he caused his father a lot of pain. Finally, his father said to him, listen, I love you very much, but if you're going to do this one more time, what you're doing, I have to throw you out of the castle. I have no choice. You can't be in the castle. It's just, you're taking down the whole country. And of course, he did it again. And the king said, out. And he threw him out in the middle of the night. And this guy went out. He told his father, you know, I don't need you. I can do it on my own. You know, I don't need your credit cards. I don't need your car. You know, I'm going to go underground railroad. I can handle it. No problem. So he's going in the middle of the night and he's walking. Meanwhile, the king loves him. So he sends a, a little spy, a little guy, that's running behind him, watching everything that happens to him. Anyway, this guy, Nebuch, this poor kid, is this huge open pit in the middle of the road. It's, it's in the middle of the night. It's, you know, going towards a farm. He's running. He runs right into this pit. It's like eight feet deep. He falls down, breaks both legs, both arms. He's Nebuch laying at the bottom of the pit. Help! Meanwhile, this guy goes right back to the king, and he says to the king, your kid fell. He's in the bottom of a pit. He's crying. I think he broke a couple of bones. He's probably bleeding. He, he's, he doesn't have any food. You got to do something. <coughs> he says, listen, I can't go and take him out because I sent him away and everybody saw me send him away. He, he has to learn his lesson. I can't go take him out. But I have a plan because it's his kid. He wants to save him. Meanwhile, he got up in front of everyone and said, he's, he can't come back to the kingdom. What's he going to do now, right? Hurt, not hurt. He, he gave his word. So the king was brilliant. And the king said, I'm going to send one of the ministers, right? I'm going to send one of the ministers to go help him with medicine, with everything. And he should go into the hole with him and help him. So the king calls in the minister, a very big minister. He says, that's what I want you to do. I want you to, my son, he's in this hole, you got to go save him. 
I can't save him, you go save him. Anyway, the minister goes, he's got his backpack, he's got his medicine, again, the spy is following, he's got all the, he's got the bandages to fix his bones, whatever it is, and he's going, and he's going, and he's going, plop, he falls into the same hole. He falls into the same hole, but he fell in with the medicine, and the food, and the bandages, and now, he's all broken up. And he's trying to help this kid, and the king said, good, this is exactly what I had planned. Now, when he screams, when this minister is going to scream, right, we're going to have to go save the minister. Once we save the minister, oh my goodness, my son fell into the hole. So because of the minister, we wouldn't save him by himself, but we can't save the minister and not save the prince. So through the minister, we'll save the prince. So it became sunny, it came light the next day, and this minister was screaming, help, help, help. And the king said, oh, my biggest minister is in the hole. He's all broken, we got to go into the hole and get him. Oh, my son's also there. Okay, he's there also, get him out. And he saved him. This is what Clyde saw. This is what I think said. The son, the son is all the assimilated Jews who know nothing. They don't know who David HaMelech was. They don't know who Moshe Rabbeinu is. They never learned the word of Torah. They never dove in the word. You guys in Brooklyn may not know that there are such people. There are many more Jews. I think it's like probably eight to one of Jews who know nothing about Judaism. We're a very orthodox Jew. It's a very, very small group of people. They're assimilated. They don't even know they're, they're Jews. That's the prince. We went into, Hashem sent into Gullus. Kleistro went into Gullus. The base Amidish was destroyed. Hashem said, you're not coming back. You're not coming back. You're out of here. Mashiach comes, but until then, you're not coming back. You're out of here. And Itaka, they fell into America. And I don't know what, 80% is assimilated. I'm marrying Goyim. But Hashem took each one of us that's in this room tonight and sent our neshamas into these bodies. To be in this, in, in America, in New York, we're the ministers, we're the guys that also fell in. Except, now Akash Baruch Hu can say, the Jews are keeping Torah, the Jews are keeping mitzvahs, so if I have to save them, while I'm saving them, I'll pull the other 80% that don't even know what Shabbos is, they don't know what a Jew is, they don't know anything, but I have to save these guys, because these guys are keeping Torah mitzvahs, even though they're also broken, also broke their bones, they fell in also, but they got the medicine. And they got the food. So we're going to go in there and we're going to save them. And through saving them, you're right, the assimilated Jew, and the Jew doesn't keep Shabbos, the Jew doesn't keep anything, he doesn't deserve Mashiach. It won't happen. Mashiach won't happen for him. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't do any mitzvahs. But if Hashem has to save us, and he's already coming to America to pull us out of Golos, he can't leave them behind. So we're the ones who are going to bring Mashiach. Not by having an account in this thing, in this place. By having an account in this place, you are one of them. You're at the bottom of the hole. You're not a minister. And if you're lucky, you'll get saved, maybe because of the guys who are, who are keeping the religion and learning the Torah and doing the mitzvahs. So, yes, we can do something. We can daven in the morning. We can scream in the morning to Hashem, I also fell into the hole. I'm also on MySpace and YourSpace and Facebook and all these other places. I also fell into the hole. But I do daven and I put on tefillin and I do keep Shabbos and I do eat kosher. So I'm a minister, Hashem. So pull me out of the hole. When you pull me out of the hole, bring, take the rest out with us. And that's what our tefillin has to be. But us, we are the ministers. We can't go to where they are. We can't go to Facebook. We have to get off Facebook. I know it's very hard because there's a lot of guys there that have social problems and they, they don't have any friends in the world. So they, they put their picture on and all of a sudden, you want to be my friend? I have 30 friends. Well, I have 60 friends. I have 90 friends. You can't even get those friends off. Friends here, friends there, friends there, my friends there. When I go on, they go on that. It's a whole life. You know what? Go on to Hashem's book. Forget Facebook. Go on to Hashem's book. That's the book we need to, we need to take. To open up your Sidurim and Davin for the, for Christ, for the, for the prince that's never broken at the bottom of the thing and doesn't know anything. We're the ones that can bring them back. And that's our job. And it has to start, guys, your growth, everyone in this room has to start with our curse, I'll tell you. It has to start with a thank you. It has to start with a thank you to the maid in the house. It has to, it has to start with a thank you to the toll booth. You know that Rev. Yaakov Kamenetsky who lived in Muncie. I remember when, you know, for Muncie to, you have to go through the George Washington Bridge. So they, before they have all this, uh, easy pass, so there was a coin that you threw in, and the thing went up. At the same time, there were like six of those, and there were two toll collectors for people who don't have the coin. 
with a special coin, two dollar coin, whatever. It was a special coin for the tribe to, to go through to go through the Jordan Bridge. Rabbi Yaakov any time he came in, he told his driver, "Go to the person that's collecting the toll. Don't buy any coins." He says, "Why not?" He says, "Because if the person has a job, right? He's going to feel like he's sitting there all day and he's not doing anything. Give him, give him the change. And when, when, when you, and when you stop, say." Good morning, depending on when you're traveling. Good evening, how are you? Curse the toy, he's standing there, because of him, you're paying him, you're able to go. Curse the toy, to a waitress, to a waiter, to the maid in your house, to the guy who opens the door. They were freaked out in Queens College. They got freaked out because when I went there to speak, there was a guy at the door, there's a guy at the door at the front door, he's a security guy, and he opens the door for the kids. So when he opened the door for me, I said, that's really, really very nice, thank you very much. And the girls that were coming for the share behind me was like, you say that always to people at the door? I'm like, you don't? <laughs> like, if someone opens the door, you don't say thank you? When you come to a restaurant and the guy opens the door for you, you don't say thank you? This is the basis of being a Jew. Because if you don't say thank you for something like that, you're not going to say thank you, Takash Baruch That's the basis of being a Jew. So we have to start tonight two things I want from you. I want you off Facebook, and I want you to start trying Akar Satov. And the place to start trying Akar Satov is by your parents. Don't mutilate your body. And, and that doesn't mean that's also smoking. Smoking, Hashem gave you a beautiful body. You smoke, you're destroying your body. There's not karsatov if you destroy your body. And when you make your brachas tomorrow morning, take every morning a bracha, one bracha of the, all the brachas, and say thank you to Hashem. And if you really want to get it, if you really want to get what I'm saying tonight, when you get home, you get through the front door, close your eyes till you're in bed. And then you'll understand what appreciation means. You know what? Close your eyes through 15 minutes of Meyer. Try that. And you'll realize Hashem gave us sight. Just sight that we could see colors and we could see each other. It's amazing. Yeah, Kosh Baruch Hu, look into the pit that Kleistel has fallen in and pull out the ministers, the ones who are keeping the Torah, together with the ones who are not keeping the Torah, and bring Mashiach Bimheri Bimeinu Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.